0: I'm WUWM's Eric Bonfellow Kobe Brown, and thank you for joining me for the sixth and final installment of We Gays. In today's episode, we'll be going to the ball. A, to a ball, also known simply as ballroom, is a vibrant and dynamic subculture in LGBTQ plus communities, especially for Black and brown people. According to the National Museum of American History, drag balls began in the 1860s in Harlem and gained more visibility by the 1920s. Ballroom consists of a range of creative and performance-based activities, including dance competitions, fashion shows, and music performance participants' walk-in for cash prizes. I chatted with Ricardo Wren and Kentrell Gucci, promoters and coordinators of Milwaukee's first award ball. They shared their efforts to protect the community, especially for LGBTQ black and brown people. Can you start by explaining for people who may not know what is... Ballroom, and what is a
1: ball? Yeah, so first of all, ballroom was started by black and brown trans women, so I wanna give respect to our sisters and sisters and brothers in the fight. And ballroom is a safe space for not just people of color, but LGBTQ people, QPOC individuals, where we come and we battle for prizes, um, we showcase our talents, our styles, all under a safe haven for trophies, cash, and um, credentials.
0: And now you're telling me this is the first honors ball. Has there been other balls around in Milwaukee for a bit?
1: Yeah, so um, ballroom has been here for many, many years. Um, it has been started by several people. And myself and um, up-and-coming legend Chad Alamiki, um revived the scene a couple years ago. Um, and so there's always balls around, um, and those should be put on by creditable ballroom people. Um, but we put this on into respect for the fact that ballroom has been around for so long here and we want to um, be in alignment with the Midwest Council as well. So having an honors ball of the year ball really Honors people who've been doing the work, people who are walking categories, people who are up and coming stars and statements and up and coming legends.
0: Yeah, no, you mentioned that it was started by brown and black queer folk. Uh, how important is it to keep these spaces accessible for
1: those people who started it? It's very important because there are limited spaces for us to be ourselves. Um, it is limited spaces where Black and brown people can see people like themselves or just queer people in general, right? And so these spaces are created and needed for that very purpose. Although Ballroom is inclusive of all people because we have legends who are white, we have white you know, people who have helped in the scene too, but the space foundationally are for people of color. And so it's important for us to have that so that we have a safe space for us to be ourselves.
0: Yeah, and again, you touched on this a little bit, but what is Uh, What is Milwaukee's community honoring? We're trying to honor
1: tonight. So we're honoring people who have been walking in and out of state. We're honoring people who have been committed to reviving the scene and the mission and the purpose of ballroom. And we're going to have icons and legends in the building tonight. We have people coming from Chicago, St. Louis, California, Texas, New York. So it's a really big deal for us.
0: Absolutely. And are there any uh, any uh, categories that you're most interested in or looking forward to?
1: So my favorite category is Sex Siren. That's no matter where I go in ballroom, East Coast, West Coast, Sex Siren is my favorite. And then my second favorite is um, Commentator versus Commentator because I do commentate, so I love to see other talents and what people I bring to the table.
0: And this is my last question for you because I know you're a busy guy. Um, What would you say to anyone who's curious about ballroom, who's looking for spaces that they can be themselves as a black or brown person or just a queer person or anyone who wants to be free in general?
1: Yeah. So come and be a spectator. Observe the scene, educate yourself, ask other ballroom leaders about history and knowledge and education. Also, you can follow us on MKE Vogue Nights as well, where we have a lot of education and we have events. We'll be hosting the Banjee Ball August 31st at This Is It Bar. Um, So just come around, get involved, get informed, ask questions, and then come into the space and see if if you have the courage to walk.
2: My name is the icon control gorgeous Gucci. I am one of the promoters of the Milwaukee honors awards ball. I am one of the, I am the first person to ever throw me and Chad was the first two individuals to ever throw a ball in Milwaukee. I want to hear more about that. What was it like starting the
0: first kind of ballroom events around Milwaukee and in the Midwest really?
2: So um, I originally started ballroom in Chicago with um, the icon Milan Christopher. And so, and I was kind of grown by um, the icon Marcus Escada, which was the commentator, because I commentate as well. And Jad was like, hey, you guys, we should throw a, a ball, come down to Milwaukee. I'm like, is it gonna come? And we threw a ball in Milwaukee and the first one was really, really good. And that was probably like, "Whoo!" 15 years ago. Why is it print to have spaces like that here in Milwaukee? It's important to have spaces like this because you want people to be themselves. You want people to know. uh, Just have you ever? You know how you just want to have somewhere you can be yourself. So ballroom is good to be yourself, to be brave, to show. uh, And it's so much you can you get from ballroom. So it's such a fun and extreme um, arts culture of our community. Yeah. What is it about ballroom culture that inspires you? Oh, I just love to see the talent. The talent is what inspires me. Um, I love to see people vogue and well. I love to see the fashion. I love to see the runway. And I most definitely love to see the sex sirens. <laughs> I keep hearing that's a popular category <laughs> around here. What are some other of like, your favorite categories? Um, I love Virgin Vogue, and but Milwaukee, Twerk is one of their favorite, and I love Twerk here. Okay, okay, absolutely. I love to hear that. Now,
0: also, I was seeing there's been a movement started protecting ballroom culture. How can people protect the sacred culture and also support it and um, see it grow?
2: Um, I would say make sure whatever it is you get with people who's uh, like raised in ballroom, I would say, um, people who just get with people who's already in the culture, so on. Because you know, people can take something and run with it, and to protect the culture, you just want to make sure you're around people who's authentically from ballroom.
0: Absolutely. And my last question for you: What would you say to anyone curious or who wants to join, but you know
2: they might be a little nervous? What would you say to them? I would say, just try it one time. You're gonna be scared your first time. You might get chopped, or you may win, you never know. But just try it at least one time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Oh, you.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm out there. That was Ricardo Rent and Kentrell Gucci, who are both coordinators and promoters of Milwaukee's first award ball. Just earlier this month, O'Shea Sibley, a 28-year-old Black gay man, was stabbed in New York for voguing to a Beyoncé song in a gas station parking lot. Michael Robertson is an advocate and adjunct professor at New School, where he teaches allergy. He shares how Sibley's death has affected the ballroom community across the world.
3: Well, so here's an interesting thing, right? And so... There was a time we were calling it, this was the language we used to use. And this is no more than 10 years ago. But for so long, we used this language to talk about the Bournemouth community. We would call it an underground Black and Latino LGBTQ community. And there it's no longer underground with the hypervisibility, right? And at the same time, it still is, right? So it, it's, it does these two things at the same time. It's so hyperdivisible. It's so it has so globalized, yet there are a lot of people who don't know about it, right? And in smaller cities, it acts like, in Milwaukee, it acts as a sort of underground space that most people don't know. New York is a little different. Um, and so I say that to say that the larger Black and Latinx LGBT community, particularly in the Northeast, um, and in other places too, but I'll talk particularly in the Northeast, was absolutely classist over and against the Baltimore community right? looked down upon it, um, uh, had these pathological notions around it, um, decided it wasn't worthy. It was just people who were stuck queens, who didn't have an education, who didn't want to work, and all these other things. And so it dismissed the community, particularly and then specifically during the AIDS crisis, where Black community-based organizations, being Black Black gay community-based organizations were created into fight for AIDS. The organizations, the movement, ostracized ballroom out of it so ballroom had to fend for itself today it's interesting that now ballroom is seen as its own community and in fact most people know about globally black lgbtq folk because of this community so it's very interesting so i think ballroom is leading particularly the way around visibility has been leading I could talk a little later talk about the community organizing initiatives that has been involved in around those things leading the dialogue around gender expression and gender identity Um, oftentimes are on the front lines of these black lives matters movements representing black queer folk in many ways are in this salacious relationship with Hollywood because of prose and legendary. I could talk about some other stuff as well. Um, it has globalized itself into other nations that even nations that are predominantly white and created f- radical free spaces, even for white folk. Right. So, so yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want to touch on that too. Uh, we have, Uh, pieces of pop culture like Madonna's Vogue. We also have shows like Pose coming out and really bringing this, what people thought to be a subculture into this global phenomenon. Uh, How do you see ballroom culture continuing to evolve in the future? And what changes do you anticipate seeing in the coming years? Uh, I know here in Milwaukee, there's a current movement. Uh, People are worried that, you know, these spaces that have been historically for black and brown, uh, folk are being taken over
3: so then your questions are wonderful um so i'll do let me talk about madonna first um let me talk about madonna beyonce first right so um but 1990 is a interesting year because two emblematic events come out at the same time one is that jenny livingston's a white queer woman Documentary, Paris is Burning, emerges in independent screen film festivals. And it was through the lens of this white lesbian. Right? And then the same year, Madonna's, excuse me, my Madonna comes out with her song, Vogue, and she has, of course, Vogue is the dance form that's in ballroom. It comes out of the house ball ballroom community, the culture production comes out of the community. And she uses, she does have as representation, Jose and extravaganza, but she never attaches, she never historicized that she got this cultural production from this community. And still today she hasn't really. Um, and so here you have these two events happening through the lens of white women. When in 1987 though, Two Black women had Vogue in their videos before these white women talked about Vogue, which was Jody Watley and Queen Latifah, who also had two Black gay men in their videos, Derek Extrava, uh, Pendarvis Extravaganza, who just passed away, and Muhammad Omni. And so, and, and I, I remember hearing white folk, and sometimes Black straight folk too, particularly white folk, say to me, oh, you know how to do the Madonna Vogue, like she created. People really believe that. And she allowed it. To be said and I don't, i'm not saying i don't know if she intentionally allowed it but she it was allowed to be said so fast forward and we were and don't get me wrong i can talk this political stuff now because i'm more aware back then outside of madonna though back then when piracy's burning came out i was like yes 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 here a community that's being visible yes 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 and then you begin to look at things differently so fast forward to beyonce and her renaissance so And she's a Black woman, so I like the idea that this Black woman is lifting up, right, um, this culture in some ways. But then she makes a mistake and thinks that she's lifting up house music when it's really dance music that she's lifting up. But that's okay. Um, The fundamental mistake to me that Beyonce has made is that, again, she redid her You Can't Break My Soul song, remixed it with Madonna's Vogue. And she thought that she was in, she thought she was being a black feminist by invoicing black women's names, right? You know, the Janet, the Halle the, the Lizzo, in place of the white folk names that Madonna had. And but not realizing that most Baldwin people still have a tension with Madonna. Here's a white woman who took from black culture, and you call her Queen Mother, this white woman, and you lifting her up, and then you're invoicing black women under her in her song, problematic for me. Now, I don't, I'm not saying but, you know, Beyonce did that intentionally, just didn't know, and all the people around her. But, you know, so that 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 becomes the problem for me. Um, I think the idea of Pose, uh, of course, created by Stephen Canal, who's an Afro-Latino gay man, and Ryan Murphy, and the idea of Pose helped change some of that narrative. Uh, having this cast of Five trans women and two black gay men was was not only historical, but uh, was so important at the time, you know, predating these these anti drag anti drag anti trans legislations. So that has been so significant. The other piece was that he Brian Murphy allowed for ballroom people to do apprenticeships and to become SAG members, so to create. The infrastructure so folks can have their own skill sets so we can take a um uh, uh, we can tell our own stories. And I benefited from that. I was a cultural product, I was a cultural consultant for POLs for three years. And there's some things as a result of that that I am doing in this moment. So, so that is the case. I think though, last thing I say about that, there's a tension in the community of wrestling with this, which is who are we now? Right? The question who are we now? You know are we now in a community that's so invested in it because we want to get gigs or because we want to get discovered? Or are we a community that that organizes over and against things that we're confronted with by using Black joy? So those, I think, are the tensions. I like ballroom because we like to wrestle with stuff versus reconciling with it, right? Continue to wrestle, wrestle, debate it, argue it, you know, um, scream at each other about it. So I think that that is absolutely where we are. Last thing I say about that is that in May, I don't know if you know this, that in May in, in Atlanta, Mary J. Blige threw a ball, and so yes, there, I did so, see I,
0: that. I did see that. I remember she gave a couple ball. chops and a couple tens. <laughs>
3: events of black women empowerment weekend events some of the critique was that she didn't have any black trans women speak at her black empowerment thing um but i did, did like that and so and she worked with the uh, the legendary uh, miss lawrence balenciaga who's also been in movies and shows and stuff
0: Yeah, and you know well, there's a lot of conversation happening in-house about, you know, how Vogue and how ballroom culture is perceived and how it's handled. Uh, It's also being discussed about how, you know, the main culture is digesting it. And despite progress that has been made in recent years, violence is still prevalent in the community. Uh, Recently, earlier this month, O'Shea Sibley, a 28-year-old Black gay man was stabbed in New York uh, New York for voguing. How do you think ballroom culture can help to combat violence and discrimination against LGBTQ plus folk individuals? Uh, and what steps can be taken to create a safer and more inclusive uh, world for all members of the community?
3: So O'Shea was part of the ballroom community. And thank you for saying voguing because a lot of you see a lot of the Black gay political pundits say he was dancing. And it's important to say he was bogey because it's important to situate in which the community, he's a Black gay man, yes, but in which the community we are talking about who organized the big march, the ball organized that, uh, that, that and the rally that protested, the the thing that happened, O'Shea, O'Shea happened to come to, used to be, a, come to our, me, and my, my iconic son, Pony Zion, through the heat program in Brooklyn. We threw a class called Vogue Theory. So he was a member of that, but he also attended our retreats. And, you know, I knew it was a watershed moment by the way people were responding when it happened. Um, The notion of expressing yourself freely, that you get your life taken away. Most people outside of New York City would say, even in New York City, because the perception or the misperception is that it's such an open historically that's why people move to New York City um and yes, even in New York City that you're so free and you express it that it becomes the excuse of justification that is that it's an affront to your religious beliefs. And so. This is not the first, of course, um, and it's not just around the, these deaths. Just does not happen through violence, you know. There's intersectional deaths that the Baldwin community continues to confront around health, health wellness, and you know, things around HIV and and, and 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 diabetes, and 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 we lost seven people, including O'Shea, in a two-week period. Um, the iconic pioneer Devon Elite, the iconic pioneer Carmen Extravaganza. Uh, the, the legendary Dr. Stefan Wallace, elite Manolo Blahnik, creator Mark Jacobs, um, the legendary Chloe Mugler. Um, and so this, and it goes on and on. And so in 2007, we began to see a trend of death. Late December 2006 and 2007, realized it was all vulnerable. And 2008 became more, 2009 became more. And so we began intentionally having these organizational efforts, organ- community organizing efforts. And so Ballroom has created some things that's come out of that, like House Lives Matters, National Leadership Development Initiative, of course, Nuance Black Lives Matters. This was created by my daughter, Dr. Jennifer Lee, who was the Deputy Executive Director at the Heat program. And the idea that you develop leaders within the community to begin to go, to, to begin to confront you know systems that were that go beyond HIV. That's been around since 2016. The Ballroom Freedom School Project, keeping ballroom community alive network, the Crystal La Beige Initiative, I a Ballroom We Care Initiative. Uh, there are most most if you go in particularly in New York City to. HIV community-based organization, most of the people on the front line are now ballroom folk. Destination Tomorrow in the Bronx is was created and the executive director is my great friend, my little brother, the icon Sean Coleman, who's a black trans man, who the organization is to address the needs of not only black, Latinx, trans folk, but ballroom community. So they think of the black prides around the country, the, the, the iconic elite soldier who's now in charge of New York City black pride. I used to be in charge of New York City Black Pride. Uh, Vernian, the pioneer Alverni Rafik DMV was, is in charge of Carolina Pride. So the, uh, the iconic Jason 007, um, uh, uh, who used to be in the House of Prodigy is on the board of Philadelphia Black Pride. So you see my daughter, Bianca, Black trans woman and Rochester was in charge of Rochester Black Pride. So you see all of this, um, this sort of movement within the Barbara community. Two things I'll say. One of the things that I think we we're, we, have not been the best at, which is lifting up that stuff, right? That doesn't get lifted up as much as, if, say, violence or or tension and competition happens in, in Barbara. But those are the things that continue to happen. I happen to have been in Toronto at the time of the... Rally in New York City, and Twisted Miyaki Mugler is one of the leaders of the Toronto scene. We just got deemed legendary the next day. Uh, that last Saturday, he um, he organized that Friday after Ball, a march to a gas station in solidarity with what was happening in New York City, and blah blah blah. And then he had me speak, and so you there, there is. I think the O'Shea thing is a moment, um, a watershed moment. You see, Beyonce says something, Tracey Ellis Ross, Vanessa Williams, um, but it's not just one moment. This is a continuum, particularly with Black and Latinx trans women who continue to be beat and brutalized and murdered, and this happened to be in the But Baldwin has been on the front line of this for a while.
0: Michael Robertson, an advocate and adjunct professor at the new school, chatting with me, Kobe Brown, WWM's fifth Eric Von Fellow. At the top of the show, I chatted with Ricardo Rin and Kencho Gucci, promoters and coordinators at the Milwaukee's First Honors Award Ball. Before I leave, I'd like to say thank you to the staff at WWM Milwaukee's NPR for making this season of We Gays possible. Thank you to the unique LGBTQ folk in Wisconsin involved with making this happen as well. And most of all, thank you, the audience, for listening. For the last time, I'm Eric Von Fellow Kobe Brown, 89.7 WUWM's Milwaukee's MPI.